0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to episode number nine here on the Reef Talk. Thank you very much for joining in on this week's episode. I uh, know I've been out of it for a little bit, guys. Uh, believe me, I'm doing my best to get back on it asap. Um, and I could, I think, we're here on the verge where I can start doing them again on a weekly basis. So I'm very happy to be back. Very happy for all you that have been thinking, reaching out to me, whether on Instagram. Or the email, the contact form we have on the website, thank you very much for uh, dropping the kind words. Just let me know that you know, you'd know love to hear future episodes because you've listened to uh, us here whether you are on your way to work, or you know, you're just at home relaxing. Uh, so very happy for you guys that, again, have been reaching out. I love uh, the love you guys are giving. I'm very happy to see that um, it's something you guys are enjoying, so I'm very happy to be back here. So this week, episode nine, we're going to be covering, it's going to be a little bit uh, mixture of things, everyone. So uh, we're going to be covering... Uh, kind of a new thing I want to start doing here for future episodes. The beginning, I kind of want to talk about either new products, something that's trending, um, you know, what people are talking about, or uh, an event, whatever the case is. So in this week, I think uh, a very good thing to uh, talk about, and it's kind of been on everybody's mouth for quite some time, um, Neptune Systems, Neptune Apex, for you guys that aren't aware, they're a controller company. A great company, one of the best out there, um, at least here in the U.S. for sure. It's it's a very popular uh, controller that people use to, you know, control various things on their aquarium. Um, So you guys probably are well aware of what they have been uh, kind of talking about, uh, talking about launching. It honestly seems like it's been forever, right? Um, I think it's been about a year and a half uh, since they've been talking about releasing this product. A lot of you already know, as of about a week and a half, two weeks ago, maybe a little bit more, uh, but they finally released it for purchase. And this is the Trident, the Trident uh, Water Analyzer, Water Tester. Mm -hmm. Um, So in essence, for you guys that aren't aware exactly what this does, um, so what they ended up releasing was a product that can automatically test your calcium, your alkalinity, and your magnesium. Um, they weren't the first company to do it. you know. I think we're all well aware that the, they weren't the first ones. There was a few others out there. I'm not going to name them because you know, there's a few of them. Um, but it was a big thing. It was a big move for uh, Neptune uh, to do this uh, because, again, they're so well-respected. They're very well-known. Um, and a lot of people were saying, when are you guys going to jump on this bad wagon? It really seems... Uh, like reef system automation slash controllers are really going into the next realm. Um, You know, a lot of people are doing the automatic water changes with the Neptune Doe system. Um, And I I really think it was just uh, one of those avenues that was just bound to happen. So it's very nice that uh, Neptune did jump on board here with the Trident. So again, in a nutshell, it's a system. You guys can probably Google it, check out the pictures, but... It's a system that tests your calcium, alkalinity, and magnesium um, multiple times a day. So I think by default, it tests every six hours, if I remember correctly. I don't have one, so hard to uh, tell you for certainty. But I believe out of the box, it tests every six hours uh, your water parameters. So a nice thing is you can alter that being a Neptune controller. You can alter that to you know, test every 30 minutes, every hour, um, every two hours, so on and so forth. If you run the recommended default testing every six hours, I believe uh, it'll last you. If I remember correctly, it's a, it's a few months. Uh, the, the reagents themselves will last you a few, uh, a few months. So it's nothing you need to be buying, uh, you know, all the time. Uh, not to mention they don't seem to be very expensive, not at all. Um, another thing, if you try, it's been very hard to get these uh, to purchase anywhere I've looked right now. They're almost impossible to get a hold on. That's how popular they've been. Anytime they come in stock, they seem to literally fly off the shelf. Um, There's just a really high demand, and it seems like Neptune's having a little bit of a hard time keeping up. Now, this um, water analyzer, if you want to call it, that's at least what Neptune's calling it, um, it's not too expensive. It runs for about $599. Now, it's not a standalone system. That's what sucks about it. So people like me that don't have a Neptune Apex, you can't run it. You know, there's really no way, as far as I'm aware, that can be run with any other uh, system. So it's not standalone. It needs uh, the Neptune controller, uh, the Apex controller, uh, for it to run. Uh, but given that if you own an Apex controller, $599 is not a bad deal for water testing on its own. Obviously, with water testing on its own, it can also dose on its own through the dose Uh, dosing pumps. Um, So it's very cool. If there's ever an adjustment that needs to be made, you can set up certain parameters. If ALK drops X amount, dose X amount, you know? So it's very cool. It just, again, takes automation to a whole new level. Um, If I ever purchased this product, I think I would only want it testing only. Um, Now with the calcium reactor I have, I really wouldn't be uh, dosing. Um, You know, I'd leave the calcium reactor just to really be maintaining stuff so in my specific scenario I'd again i'd probably just want to keep an eye on everything making sure um, everything is in line Uh, because there's nothing like having that reassurance you know as it is uh, our reef tanks are pretty delicate they're not difficult but they're very time consuming so anytime you can add automation to um, our systems it just makes them a lot more enjoyable you know there's um, certain stuff we enjoy to do, certain stuff we don't. I think all of us can agree that we love looking at a beautiful our beautiful tanks, right? The water changes, the this, the that. You know, it's we do them, you know, because we, we we love to maintain them. But it, there comes a certain point where it just gets old, especially with water testing. Without this analyzer, the only way you can do that is manually testing, whether it's Hanna Checkers, Red Sea, um, any of those testers, API, any of those testers out there, Salifert, Um, they're all manual and with manual also comes human error Um, so it's good to have a system uh, that you can either be double checking your parameters um, and very cool of them to release it so if you guys want to know any more about it be sure to uh, just google it you'll find it on book resupply uh, saltwater.com there's plenty of websites that uh, that have the full product description i'm sure there's a few YouTube videos out there that uh, also talking about it. I would love to buy one to do a review. But again, not having an Apex system just makes it really difficult. Um, And for you guys wondering why I don't have an Apex or why I wouldn't even consider one, my tank is just too small. I don't have any more place to put anything. So buying a controller like that would just be too much, in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't have a lot of pace to put the probes, you know, so on and so forth. So That's my reason for not having it. But certainly, if you have, you know, anything bigger than a 60-gallon tank, a controller I'd highly recommend to monitor and make sure your tank um, is in line. And then after that, obviously, if you have the Neptune Apex, this analyzer, the Trident, wouldn't be a bad gig. So now, we kind of talked a little bit about that new product because I know a lot of people have been talking about it. Um, I want to get into... For you guys that follow me on YouTube, uh, Eat Sleep Brief, I released a video uh, last week, uh, last Sunday. Very interesting, and and I kind of want to make this topic on that uh, because I've been getting so many comments. Um, A lot of people really liked it. You know, it it gives an inside depth um, and gives you guys and lets you know that I deal with the same things you guys deal with. You know, I think we all at one point in the hobby have dealt with it, are dealing with it, whatever the case is. So one thing that um, I made that video on, and it was a a video I wasn't looking forward to do, excuse me, but it's one I felt uh, had to be made uh, because just as much as I feel I deserve it to each and every one of you to share uh, my successes, I also owe it to you to share my failures, uh, more importantly, so you can learn from those and so you don't replicate them in your home reef tank. So with that, what the topic was for you guys that didn't watch, if you didn't watch it, I highly urge you to head over as soon as you're done with this podcast or when you get home, uh, to check it out on your free time. Again, the channels eat, sleep, reef on YouTube. You'll probably find me pretty quick. Um, uh, make sure you're subscribed because a lot of the topics I cover in this podcast, I'm going to reference to that channel, um, Or in scenarios like this week, we'll do an episode it feels really popular on the same topic. So what that was is um, I have never been able to keep for more than six months uh, frog spawns and hammers ever. They would always end up after about six, it, it was always almost a six month mark. They would shrivel up, turn into pretty much nothing, die off, start turning white. And I never understood it. I never knew what it was I would do ICP test I would test my phosphates my nitrates my trace I would test everything believe me guys I would run the ICP test the water was showing good stable consistent so I couldn't point the finger there um some of you may say well it probably was lighting you're bleaching them out yeah you're probably right maybe but then again the corals would be fine for four or five months. And after month six, month seven, month eight, they would just go downhill. You know, I feel if you're overexposing them to light, they would react a lot sooner um, than wait all that time. So clearly it was something that was affecting them over time and I could never figure it out, guys. I I, I never told anyone this, but a lot of the, a lot of you guys that follow followed my channel for a while, Eat Sleep Brief on YouTube, um, even my Instagram, um, you probably saw me go through a whole mess of lights, a whole mess of combinations. And I never shared it with people, but the reason I was doing it was because I wanted to be able to keep these beautiful Euphilia coral. Um, that's also another reason why I changed and took out my max gyre for an MP10. I thought maybe flow was too much. It was too much in one direction. And that was a possibility for it. So I went with an MP10, decrease of flow, same thing, same exact thing happened. Um, And I got to a point where I just realized and I felt my responsibility as a reef keeper, as is all of ours. At times, guys, no matter how expensive your coral is, I don't care how much you paid for it. If you see the poor thing suffering, the poor thing getting worse, give it away. Give it to an LFS. Give it to a reefer that you know has a great tank that is having success with that species. Um, don't put yourself, don't put your money before these corals. As it is, guys, they're getting harder and harder to get. Um, you know, who knows where the hobby is going to be in the future. Obviously, farming is 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 going to keep it alive and, and keep it going. But with prices, you can only imagine what that's, how much prices are going to go up. Um, so, I put my money aside. I put me aside. I reached out to my neighbor. Uh, Believe me, I spent a lot of money on these coral. I reached out to him and said, Hey, I want to donate to you quite a few uh, frog spawns and hammers that I have. And I just want to give them to you. Um, I know you have success with them. So I want to give them to you. Please take them, take care of them. And that's it. And that's exactly what I did, guys. Um, I put the coral before me, before my money, before anything, um, gave them to him. And thankfully, guys, I was able to save those. I feel too many people see corals going downhill in our specific tank and we just keep them there. And to me, again, I find we have a a responsibility. Um, so that's just me again. I'm no one here to tell you what to do or how to, you know, care for your corals or so on. It's just what I do and what I feel is right for me. Um, so that's what I did. And I thought hard about it. I thought really hard and I said, so what the heck is going on with these corals? So I came up with my hypothesis, if you will, and I made the video. A lot of people were, excuse me, were commenting. Actually, that video has gotten quite a few comments. Um, in my hypothesis, my thought, my theory was the fact that I have a very big zoa garden, very big you're probably saying, what does that have to do with anything? Well, for you guys that know about zoas, you probably know they release polytoxins. Chemical warfare, that's where the term chemical warfare comes out in a reef tank. You only have physical warfare, where corals are stinging each other, but chemical warfare is something you'll never see, just corals releasing toxins and essentially killing other corals around it without even touching them. So my theory was... If you've seen my tank, and a lot of you have, the hammer and frog spunk um, kind of garden was no more than probably, I would say, three inches away from my zoas, and they were downstream of the zoas. So the flow was coming over the zoas and pushing kind of into that, excuse me, that garden of euphilia um, coral that ultimately I would have you know problems with. So, my theory was that these uh, zoas were releasing what is called polytoxins. And obviously, these toxins to certain coral, not every coral, certain coral will expose them to eventually kill them, you know. Um, so, what they, it, it's just their defense mechanism. It's just what it is. They're fighting for real estate. It's what they've been doing for millions of years. It's how they've survived, you know, as long as they have. Um, so, it's perfectly natural, right? Typically, in Mother Nature, these. Um, all the corals we put in our tanks, all the different species in the wild, you'll never find that much diversity. It's very, very, very difficult to find that much diversity. Um, so, the fact that we try to keep them in these small boxes, if you will, uh, brings issues like this. And believe me, I know a lot of you experienced people out there are telling me right now, or probably yelling. Saying, oh, you have to run carbon or, oh, you shouldn't believe me, guys. I was running carbon. I would change the carbon. I I would try that. And still, obviously, same results. And again, this is only my theory. Um, it's it A polytoxin, it's something that very, I, I don't know if there's any tests for that. I know hobby grade, there's none. I don't know if there's any lab that can test. I'm sure there is. Um, but that's the only thing I can think of. And I know a lot of people may say, well, the only time zoas release toxins are when, when they're getting stung or fighting. Well, another thing you have to keep in mind, in my zoa garden, there's let me, there's at least eight to nine different colonies of zoas. There's some pallies in there as well. For you guys that know about pallies, they're very territorial and they'll tend to kill out everything around them. So my theory is just for them all fighting for real estate, I think they've been releasing toxins, thus killing, uh, these frog spawns and hammers. And it's crazy on the other side of my scape, um, probably about, I don't know, 15 inches away. I have three torches in there that are perfectly fine. They're perfectly, perfectly fine. I've tried putting hammers on that side. Eventually they'll die as well. I've tried getting them farther away with the same results. For some reason, whatever is affecting them, because again, I, I can't guarantee that it is these polytoxins, whatever is affecting them is not affecting uh, the torches, which is interesting, very interesting. Um. So as of now, I'm not going to do them anymore. I'm just, why? You know, I, I've seen time and time again, they just cannot uh, thrive in my tank. So why even put them through that? So, with that also being said, um, you know, I, I, I feel a lot of people are probably also saying, oh, well, you, you know, you should be doing your water changes, you know, do more of them. So, and I, I tried that for a certain time. Um, and again, kind of getting the, uh, the same results with just corals dying out. So, kind of where I'm going with all this, and, and I think it's important that we all realize in our tanks... They're so diverse and so, uh, so little water volume. Oh, and going, I'll, I'll save that for, for a little bit later. But anyways, so little volume, we're going to run into issues where certain corals won't get along with others. I think it's important that we realize what corals don't thrive in our tank, accept it, and just put corals in there that do. You know, there's so many species of other corals with so many colorations, so many different textures I I feel instead of really trying and adjusting your water and adjusting your light and adjusting this, adjusting that, which I tried doing at the beginning, is only going to make it worse. So I feel if you have a certain colony or colonies or species um, of coral that are happy, just stick with those. Stick with those and enjoy your tank. Just be happy that you can have something very successful um, in the tank. So you guys are probably saying, so... If your theory is correct, what can be done uh, to be able to keep them? Um, and it's very simple, I feel, more water volume. Because I know a lot of you are saying, oh, well, my buddy has a 100, 100-gallon 100 tank, and he has a whole mess of zoos, and he has no problem. Yeah, but you also got to realize that other 100-gallon tank has so much more water volume, so much more. So those polytoxins get to get depleted within all that water volume. Um, so I feel a, a fix for that would be to add just more water volume. I'm pretty sure if I put my whole scape in a hundred gallon tank, I wouldn't have that issue. Why? Because the polytoxins that I think are what's killing everything, uh, would be depleted. You know, it'd be, uh, lesser of an effect on these corals. Because again, there's more water to deplete, you know, all these toxins that I believe are, uh, are what's causing it. Um, And the the funny thing is I'm able to keep SPS in my tank. So the moment I realized that I was able to keep SPS and have it grow, have it encrust, have it really thrive, I kind of said, you know what? It's not water parameter. It's just not. Because if my water parameters were that messed up and not that stable, there's no way I'd be able to keep these Acros and these Montes and these Satosas that are clearly thriving in my tank. So that's kind of how I ruled out uh, the stability. And again, that's mentioning that I had also um, done various ICP tests. So I also had lab tests done various times, not just one. Uh, which I was getting very similar results. Um, and it's funny because, like I said, SPS are doing good. Uh, torches are part of the Euphilia family, so you'd think they—if the other Euphilia family are having issues—and torches should too. Um, but what's crazy is they don't. they don't. Um, I'm able to keep those. Um, one thing I will say, and I actually just realized this right now, I didn't even mention this in the video, I notice torches in other tanks tend to grow quicker or multiply quicker than they do in my tanks. Uh, the torches I have, they live and they're puffy and they tend to grow but very slow could this be because these toxins are also affecting them who knows who knows possibly possibly Um, another thing i guess i could do to alleviate this problem is maybe run a carbon reactor so it forces the carbon through the reactor um, turns it and ultimately cleans the water quicker that's something i could do but again going back to the reason i don't have a neptune apex the space. I have no room for another reactor in that tank. Um, so again, I've just gotten to the point where I've accepted it. I'm, I I'm okay with it. I'm perfectly fine with it because again, there's so many species of different corals that we can get where that doesn't even become an issue. So guys, I think we're going to end this podcast here. I know I probably (laughs) put a lot more questions in your head. Uh, And at the very least, I hope I was able to put a finger onto why you've been having issues with certain corals. And I just want to let you guys know that it's okay to not be able to keep every single species all together in one tank. It's perfectly fine. Just enjoy the other species or the species you're able to keep. Because again, there's so many variations of them and so many colors. I think. Um, you know, we can enjoy them nonetheless. So instead of trying to fight that uphill battle that a lot of people reached out to me and told me, Antonio, you've helped me out so much. Cause I think I just put a finger on why I haven't been able to keep that specific or X coral or Y coral, whatever the coral is. Um, you know, I'm glad I was able to shed some light and who knows for all we know, there's no way I can really test this in a way. I mean, I'm sure I could do tests, but believe me, I'm not looking to do that. Um, I may be wrong. My theory may be a hundred percent wrong. It may actually be something else, uh, that, you know, who knows, who knows? So guys, I'm going to end this podcast here. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode nine. I'd love to hear from each, uh, each of you either send me an email. Let me know what you think is my issue. Believe me, if you can figure out a solution, I'll be the first person to jump on it. Um, Obviously, something I can replicate, because an obvious solution would get a bigger tank, but that's nothing I'm looking to do now. Um, So if you guys have something that maybe a product you think will work, uh, believe me, write me, I'd love to hear it. So we're going to end this podcast here, guys. I thank you very much for listening in on today's episode. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, please be sure uh, to email us on the contact form on the reeftalk.com, You can also find us on Instagram. I can also be reached there. I thank each and every one of you for tuning in this week. Thank you very much for being patient. As always, guys, happy reefing.